Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything nursing and healthcare related. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer at Nurse.org. So let me first start by saying Happy New Year. It's 2023. Listen, we've had a rough 2022, rough 2021, and 2020. Listen, it's just been rough these past couple of years. So we're going to hope for something bigger, better, and brighter for nurses in 2023. Now, uh, something that we're carrying over to the new year, which I hope is something that you guys are looking forward to, is the question and answer that we have here for the podcast now. So now, Uh, If you're interested in asking a question, you have a comment, and you want to be heard here on the podcast, listen, we are here for you. We are here to take your questions and to answer them. All you got to do is send your question or comment uh, to uh, 725-910-9676. Now you can text it or you can, you know, send us a voice memo. Either one is totally fine. So we want to hear your questions. Um, and I get it. Sometimes you don't want to say your question. I mean, even if we keep your name anonymous, sometimes people have very distinctive voices and, you know, the subject matter might be able to link back to you. But don't worry. You can text it. That's fine. And we will totally go over it. So which is what we're going to do in today's episode. There was a nurse that wrote in and he said the holidays were rough and they were really short staffed these past few weeks. And a few times he had to stay over because the oncoming shift nurse was late. Have you ever experienced being forced to stay after your shift because there was no relief? Now, listen, stuff happens. We've all been a little late to work, right? And while there is some overlap built in for shift report, usually it's 30 minutes, right? Uh, We understand that sometimes people run late and heck, even when you're on time, sometimes report runs late. So you end up staying over your shift. So, you know, we understand that things like that will happen. And for the most part, we just roll with the punches. But I'm not sure of all of the details, the environment uh, of what was going on. But I will say that I've been in a similar situation. And actually, I have to say a very unique situation. Uh, these last, when was it? Early December, I'd say. Um I was in the ER. It was busy. It was slamming. We were running like super duper busy as usual. Um, this was a small community hospital. I was doing a registr- registry shift. And um, let me tell you, for those who don't work in the ER, for the most part, and I'm here in California, generally four patients in the ER is what you'll manage, right? It's a lot of turnover. People come in, we treat them, 
Some are discharged home. Some get admitted to the hospital. Some get transferred to other hospitals. Like there's a lot of dispositions that we can have for our patients. But in this situation, four patients, right? Okay, I get it if they're kind of the common ER patients. But I was holding two ICU patients, people who turned out to be two ICU patients. One of them was also deteriorating. He was on a BiPAP and he was deteriorating. Um, didn't intubate him on my shift, but he was intubated on the next shift. So just imagine too busy with two ICU patients. And then I had two patients that end up being teleadmits. So that's kept me really busy. Now I'll say this, and depends on what you do at your facility, how your state works. But in the ER, we generally hold patients, but if it's going to be for a prolonged period of time, because there are no ICU beds or there are no telebeds, you are technically supposed to initiate the admission care. So for ER nurses, we don't really use, we don't normally do those things, but in the case where we're holding patients, then, you know, Hey, we got to do those things. Now, as someone who's worked tele, as someone who's worked ICU, it wasn't an issue for me. I kind of just roll in instead of the ER physician managing the care, it's the attending like inpatient doc, um, then whatever specialists are on the case. Of the two teleadmissions, one of them was teeter-tottering the fence as to, does this need to be an ICU patient? The frequency of things that were going on, somewhat kind of in a deter- deteriorating, but it was very slowly, very subtle, but I could pick it up as someone who's worked ICU. I, I, I saw where this was going, right? And again, the other patient who, for the most part, was a general tele patient, needed to be admitted for hypotensive uh, after dialysis. This is like the third time it's happened in the last couple days. So they wanted to keep him say like, hey, what's going on? Anyways, so I maxed out my four patients, but the ER is slamming. So I'm still having to help some of my colleagues. And so it wasn't like I just got to do my four patients and I'm sitting pretty and like, okay, no, this is all. I had to help with other patients things that are coming in, helping with procedures, helping with codes, like literally slamming and jamming. And I remember the health supervisor coming by, mm, I think maybe one o'clock-ish and saying, hey, does anybody want to stay over? Things like that. And listen, they said, does anybody want to work a double? And I'm like, a 24? No, miss me. No, no thanks, not interested. I say, no, not interested. Getting towards the end of my shift. And it's getting busy. They actually closed. They went on bypass uh, a couple times. Uh, so that means no ACL, no ALS patients, but doesn't stop people coming from the front doors and stop BLS runs to our door as well. Anyways, it's getting towards the end of the shift. I'm wrapping things up as much as I could, right? Because they're considered inpatients. So, you know, in addition to their meds, doing INOs. Now, I didn't open a care plan. I'm not going to do that when I'm working in the ER. But for the most part, I did all the other stuff, right? As an inpatient nurse. And my patients, remember I have a deteriorating ICU patient who's on the fence of BiPAP, maybe needing to be intubated. And then I have a telepatient who's titter-tottering the fence like, oh, does this really need to be an ICU patient? Like, so I'm busy. At, you know, if anyone who works ICU, you know, the frequency in which we do things, that's the, the close surveillance and intervention and the monitoring stuff that we do. Because of its increase in frequency, we can be really busy. I'm getting ready to, you know, people coming in, people getting their patients and stuff. And I see nurses coming in, this shift change. And people are like, they're going to their respective nurses and getting report. And I'm like, I'm not seeing anybody. It's like, okay, well, you know, people are late. Assignments changing. It is. So they come at 630. So that's when they come. 
So we should be done by shift with shift report by seven. Six thirty, uh, you know, people can hear. Six forty-five, no one's found me. And I'm like, what's happening? Like, and but I'm busy with the patients, so I'm like, okay, they're gonna find me, or maybe they're just getting a report from another nurse. Six fifty. 6.55, I roll around, I'm like, well, where's the nurse that's coming to get my patients? And they're like, Alice, there isn't enough nurses coming in. You're going to have to stay. Excuse me? Excuse me, come again? There aren't, there's no one, we don't have enough nurses. There's no one coming. Um, you're going to have to stay. Now, this, listen, this is not my home hospital. So I'm a little confused because I'm like, I, I've never encountered this. And especially as a registry, but I'm just like, the patients are sick there. And like, I just, I go into a mode. First, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. I'm like, no, you guys need to find someone. I did not make accommodations for this. You guys got to find someone. But in the interim, I had to go to the ICU patient who was deteriorating and was like on the fence of being intubated. I handle that, come back, come back out of it. And it's like already past 7, 15 going into 7.30 and nurses have already like taken on their assignments and I'm legit. It's me and another nurse who are in this situation. So we're like, what's happening? And they're like, there's not enough nurses. You're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to stay until we get relief. No one can come until, and they gave me something. It was like eight hours out. And I'm like, ain't no damn way I'm working 20 hours, 12 plus eight. No, not happening. So I'm like, y'all got to figure something out. And they're like, Alice, we don't have, we don't know. There's nothing to do. So. What I learned was there were some tele beds that were open. So there were some tele admissions that were going to be going to the floor, which would free up some of the ER nurses to kind of take over my patients. Okay. So one of the tele patients was actually wanting to go home. The one that was, there was a patient for the most part, vitals were stable, normal sinus rhythm, was feeling a lot better. He actually just became hypotensive after his dialysis because they took off too much fluid. So we've identified that they were taking off too much fluids as dialysis, but he felt better. He's like, can I just go home? And I called the attending. I'm like, hey, doc, I gave him the status on the patient saying the patient wanted to leave because you're, he's an inpatient. You know, you need to be the person to talk to him about staying or if he's going to go in AMA and this like that. He's like, Alice, you guys are really short in the ER. I understand. I said, yes. He said, and then he asked me a couple of clinical questions about the patient. And then I told him the answer. Now, mind you, this is a small community hospital. Do not judge me on things. I'm just keeping it real, keeping it 100 about what really went down in that in that situation. He said, I've already made my rounds. I'm not coming back to the hospital. So if he wants to leave, eat, leave AMA, he's going to have to do so. And then he said, you can put me on speakerphone. I'll talk to him, but this is going to be the situation. So put him on speakerphone, patient wanted to leave AMA, and that's what happened. Now, I'll say this. I felt okay with that patient leaving the hospital because clinically from all the labs and everything where everything kind of stabilized after we replenished his fluid and things like that. So, okay. So I'm four down to three. Tele beds are coming open. So nurses are pushing patients, right? One nurse push a patient. I give my tele patient, which by the way, I felt horrible about because it was a tele patient uh, becoming ICU-ish. Gave that patient to a nurse. So it leaves me with two, two ICU patients. And the reason why they waited for me to take the two with the ICU patients is because most of the ER nurses that were on the night shift were newer and weren't as skilled in ICU. And they wanted me to stay as long as possible till a quote unquote replacement could come. I stayed over 
total of four hours. The other nurse, she was over three and a half hours. What happened is the other ER nurses were able to move their patients to the floor. They were all telebeds that were coming, med surge beds that were open. And then I had to endorse these ICU patients to ER nurses who I'll be honest, in my gut of all guts, I was like, I don't know that this is the patient for you. But, you know, you're going to have to work with your team, get use the resource that was available, you know, whatever charge or house supervisor is here to help you or ICU nurses to come, you know, questions. But I gave as much information as I could. But I handed off the two ICU patients. But I have to say, I was super mad. I was mad that I was, quote unquote, required to stay over because I didn't want to be accused of patient abandonment. So I thought this was interesting. And so what I did afterwards, and you know, you think about all my years of experience, I would know more about this, but I'll be honest, I haven't, most of the hospitals I've worked at have been magnet hospitals, tertiary care centers, trauma, you know, trauma facilities, well-resourced hospitals, not so much these small community hospitals. Now, listen, when they say small community hospitals, how rough they are, the quality of care is not that great. I see why. I see why. I'm not proud of that. I tried, I did my best that I could do uh, that shift. And every time I go to that facility, I try my best. But listen, it's a whole culture shock going to work there. But back to patient abandonment. So no one ever wants to abandon a patient. We really, really don't. But let's talk about what patient abandonment is, right? So when a nurse deserts or neglects a patient with whom they've established a provider-patient relationship with, if they leave without making reasonable arrangements for the continuation of care or without reasonable notice, that nurse may stand to be accused of patient abandonment. So in other words, once you get report on a patient, that's your patient. And so unless you hand off that patient to someone else or you've made accommodations or you give reasonable notice to the remainder of the staff or the charge nurse, if you just kind of literally feel like I'm out of here deuces, that would be patient abandonment. Now, no one wants to abandon their patients because we want them to be safe. We don't want to leave them hanging. First off, we don't want to leave our colleagues hanging and we don't want the patient to suffer because there's no one to take care of them. But my God, like you also have to realize that as a nurse, we can get very fatigued after our typical shift. And listen, baby, I was tired. I was ripping and I'm running. I was mentally exhausted. And I kind of made, this was talking to a colleague of mine, even before the shift was over. I'm like, have you ever like, like, I, I feel like that feeling like when you've been running and you're so tired, like you're trying to run faster, you're trying to run harder, but you still feel yourself running slow. And so that was what my body was feeling like. Now my mind, I was still with it, but it's like almost after they told me that like, there's nobody coming, you have to stay. My mind was like butter. I was like, oh my gosh, like what's happening again? Like I was, not that I became forgetful, but I was just fatigued mentally. And I think I also got preoccupied with, well, what about my family? What about, you know, cause I got kids, like what about them? And I'm ready to go home, right? I have things that I need to do and want to do. But anyway, so I, I kind of, I described to you what patient abandonment is, right? Now, here's the thing. So I was... I didn't leave because for when I was thinking about the patients, I'll be honest, I wasn't even thinking about the night shift staff. I was just thinking about the patients. But I was so upset that it felt like my freedom was taken away from me. I don't, I've never worked anywhere where mandatory, where overtime is mandatory. Not at all. 
I've always been able to be relieved. But because I was in this registry role, it was a little different, unique. Like I just stayed. I don't know. I hindsight, what I could have done is given the handoff to the house supervisor because there was no charge nurse in the ER. I could have given handoff to the house supervisor who was a nurse, and that would have been that. And what you gonna do? Fire me? I don't even work in this hospital. That's all I'm saying. But I wasn't even thinking that far, thinking that much into it, which is why I wanted to do what, like, I thought this question was very interesting and I wanted to share my experience. And the reason why I, I realized I could have done that is because I did some research and it's, and I also found that, and I'm in the state of California, right? So according to the California BRN, you will not be accused of patient abandonment if you have, uh, because they also recognize that fatigue sets in for nurses after their shift, and that can be dangerous and harmful for the patient. But, and they also say that nurses must exercise critical judgment regarding their individual ability to provide safe patient care when declining or accepting requests to work overtime. A fatigued or sleep deprived RN may have diminished ability to provide safe and effective patient care. Refusal to work additional hours or shifts would not be considered patient abandonment by the BRN. The only thing that needs to happen is that there needs to be proper communication that, hey, I will not be staying. You guys are going to have to work outside of ratio. We're going to have to pull in the house supervisor. Any charge nurses that are on the floor in those tele areas, listen, all charge nurses are going to have to take assignments and they have to do that type of planning and they have to do that for their facility. Again, I'm registry, so I don't know all the idiosyncrasies. I don't know the charge nurses on the floor and the ITU and all that stuff. I didn't know what their staffing outside of the ER was, but that's for them to make accommodations for. They need to, you know, and I'm pretty sure they weren't just going to tell me like, oh, we could just pull this charge nurse and give them patience because what charge nurse wants to take patients? But I could have advocated more for myself and per the California BRN not be held to patient abandonment. So I didn't know that at the time. So I stayed four hours over. I was fatigued. I was tired. I was pissed. Something I also want to say is like I ref- I referenced what happened was here in California. Now, many states stipulate that refusing mandatory overtime does not constitute patient abandonment. In order to safely navigate such situations, all nurses should familiarize yourselves with the specific provisions of your state board of nursing. Often it's up to the individual nurse to decide whether or not they can continue providing safe patient care. And if the nurse should notify the supervisor of their decision and document the reason in detail. As nurses, we love taking care of our patients. We want to make sure that we do the safest thing for them. And absolutely, that may require and often does us missing a break, missing lunchtime. Sometimes we stay over because, you know, the patient's involved. But to be on a mandatory overtime, crazy. Now, and I live in California, so some of you may say, oh, well, y'all are spoiled with patient ratios. And yeah, we probably are. But we also, those safe patient ratios help to keep patients safe. It's not to just, although it does help us as nurses, but because we're fatigued, we are doing a lot. We have some really, really sick patients in the hospital, but it's really for patient safety. And, you know, we have nurses across the nation who are ready to strike because they are working in horrible work situations and conditions where they ha- are completely out of ratio overworked, under-resourced, and this is impacting patient outcomes, which also makes you feel worse as a nurse. And so it's really important to understand what patient abandonment is and to first, you know, check with your BRN to clearly identify what patient abandonment is. Also, to be a critical thinker, look at the situation on your particular unit and what's going on, because I can imagine 
that there might be some situations where it could be life or death. And for you to leave could put a patient's life at risk. So you got to think about that because there are situations, times where with you leaving and people being out of ratio, it's going to be a pain in the butt for the other nurses. It's going to suck. It's going to delay care, but it may not be as life threatening as if you're the only ICU nurse and you're leaving and there's no other ICU nurses in the hospital, right? So something like that. So it's something that you definitely want to talk to the charge nurse or house supervisor about like, and especially if you're in a situation where like I have kids, like, although they were older and like, you know, I, they can make their own sandwiches. They're fine. They're probably just playing video games. But if I had younger children or as daycare or something where I had to pick them up because the daycare closes, look, I can't stay. So you have to consider all the situations and I want to encourage nurses to not feel bad and to advocate for yourself. You're a nurse. We need you. Absolutely. But we need you to also be able to take care of yourself and your family because those are your priority patients. Then you take care of what's going on in the hospital. Some of y'all might look at me a little sideways for saying that, but you got to fill your cup first. So many times we as nurses, we give and give and give and give. We give so much of ourselves that we sacrifice our own livelihood, our happiness. That little time and a half, that little double time, you can keep that. It's not even worth the harassment, the fatigue and the, you know, the pain that I'm going to feel having to be required to stay over. And in fact, you guys, had I known better, I would have endorsed those patients to the house supervisor. And I would have pushed a little harder about like, what other nurses do you have in the hospital? They need to come on down. Where's your leadership? Who's here? Where's the manager? Where's the whatever? Because I don't even work for your hospital. I mean, I work here today, but I'm not staff. If you're a staff nurse, this is no shade towards you, but I think there's an an additional layer of pressure because that is your home place of employment, right? You're going to have to deal with the attitudes and all the unfortunate backlash that should not be backlash, but the unfortunate things that would come your way as a result of wanting to leave. But I thought it was really important that I go over that question and talk about my own experience. And, you know, I'd love to know, have you ever been in a situation like that? And if you have, tell me what happened, what did you do, how was it resolved? Because I think these are the stories that we need to talk about because you'll think we'll find out that more nurses are doing mandatory overtime than we know about or than that talks more about it. And heaven forbid you're in a, in a unit or in a hospital where that's the culture and that's the norm so you don't talk about it because we should not be having to do mandatory overtime. So which came first, the chicken or the egg? Like we're short staff, we need nurses, but... We can't get more nurses until we fix problems like this because nobody's going to want to work in these type of situations. So what's going on, y'all? We need some answers, but this is a safe space. So let's talk about our stories. Let's learn from one another. I learned more about patient abandonment in this sense of staffing and lack of it, I should say. But now I know better so I can do better for myself next time because I want to continue working as a nurse. I don't want to get burnt out and leave the profession. I don't. And I don't want you to either. So I thought this was a really great question. I'm glad I was able to share my story. And let us know, has this happened to you? So you can email me at nursealice at nurse.org. Again, that's nursealice at nurse.org. Let me know what you think. And also let me know what you think of the podcast. Are we talking about the things you want to talk about that are of interest to you? Let us know what you want to hear. Again, you can email me or again, you can send your question You can send it as a text or you can send it as a voice memo to 725-910-9676. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And also shout out to nurse.org for being such a great supporter of nurses. They got lots of great things lined up for 2023. I'm so excited and I'm so proud to be a part of the nurse.org family. And 
you guys, I'm so glad I get to talk to you guys. This is like really something that brings me joy because, you know, I've been a nurse for so, you know, for so many years and I have all this experience, but it does no good if I'm not able to impart some of that knowledge and share some of my, my experience to help you learn and to be a sounding board for you guys. So thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to share this podcast with your friends, classmates, your colleagues. And guys, until next time, please make good choices, be kind to one another, and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.